At the dedication of the Wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Natophathites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Jeba and Asmeveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests and trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mei, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jashana gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests. Eliakim, Meesiah, Meniamin, Mikai, Elioni, Zechariah, Hananiah, with their trumpets, and also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezreel, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Uh, someone said to me at the end of last week that they were grateful that they didn't have chapter 10 to read or chapter 11 to read, maybe, but actually still chapter 12 had quite a few challenges in there. So thank you, David. Um, 
I suddenly realized in the notices, one of the things I forgot to do is to mention, we are going to take the opportunity, we're going to have a slightly shorter service, and I'm going to just speak for a very short period of time. And then we're going to take some time before we finish just to talk about, uh, finish off some of the questions we, we dealt with at the APCM that I just want to talk about briefly before we finish. But as I begin, let me just pray. Father God, we're all very conscious of our need for you in different ways. Some of it very obvious, some of it very hidden. And so often, Father, we don't feel that actually one of the biggest priorities for our lives is to rejoice, to give thanks, to lift our voices to you with heartfelt wonder. Would you do a work in my life this morning and would you do a work in our lives as a church this morning to release us to celebrate with joy, praise and thanksgiving because we are yours and yours alone. Amen. Well, I wonder where is the place you've been that uh, you think has been one of the most exuberant times you've ever been to, where there's been great celebration, great praise, uh, great adoration, uh, great unity, and I wonder whether that, where that's been. I wonder, it might be a church, you can think of that, or it might be, for me, Brian, if you put up the next slide, um, it might be at a sporting event. I've picked a bath at a sporting event, but when someone overcomes the odds someone scores a try, actually the crowd get up, their arms go in the air, they celebrate. And when something great has happened, even for reserved accountants who went to a public school for a while, you know, who are really a bit English and a bit undemonstrative, the arms go up in the air and cheer that something great has happened, something worthwhile has happened, something good has happened. When I was thinking about this and thinking about some of the different places I've been in, I have been in stadiums with huge numbers of people worshipping God. There's been an amazing thing with a sound reverberating around it. But I also um, have been uh, in, a, in sort of occasions where I've had so much invested in this occasion that I'm so desperate to see the right results that my response has been disordered, dis- disproportionate to the event. So, for example... When I was thinking about what should I show you this morning, I was going to show you the Johnny Wilkinson dropping a goal, 2003, to win the World Cup in Australia. Again, sorry to the Australians this morning, but in Australia. And that, to me, that to me produced an, an extraordinary well of excitement because I love rugby, I love sports, I loved England, and I was so willing them to do well. So willing them to do well. We're all different. Someone can have all the expressions. If you've been in the church uh, many years, some of you, if you go into some of the kind of uh, Pentecostal churches, the only way to worship is in a very expressive, demonstrative way. If you go to the Quakers or the Shakers, they worship in a different way. 
If you go to all sorts of Anglican churches, there's a different way and an established pattern of worshipping. But at the heart of it is the heart. The outward appearances are part of it, but they're not the thing. We see that again and again and again in Scripture. God is interested in our hearts, what our hearts are doing, where our hearts are with him. So often for me, and it's a battle partly because of my um, personality and some things I can, and I've said this before here I think as well, is that sometimes I can think that God's greatest gift to me might be to shake me by the hand. What an English way of understanding your relationship with God. Would it be an embrace? Would it be for you? How can you imagine meeting God? What would it look like? Would it be? Would it be physical? Would it be a distant God in which you've got to actually be very upright? Or would you feel too broken to believe that God would even want to embrace you this morning? Um, even though I've been around lots of different charismatic churches and I'm very happy expressing my worship in all sorts of different ways and when we gather together, there are, I'll just say one story before I will move on, um, is um, before I arrived here, um, one of the things I did, I got the privilege of going to Israel and I'd, always, I'd felt about three or four years ago that God was saying, you need to go and I didn't have the opportunity, wouldn't work out and eventually, because of a bit of work coming to the end, I had this window um, to go to Israel. And I had a fantastic time. There was no tour set up, so I joined a tour uh, of a group already going to Israel. And it was a tour that was involved, I think it was with 12 Pentecostal African ladies and me <laughs> uh, going round the Holy Land. Now, I just want to tell you there are different ways of touring the Holy Land. You may be from a tradition that does it in a very reserved, understated way. But I did it singing around the Holy Land. I basically sang around the Holy, Holy Land for 10 days. And actually, it was a fabulous experience, full stop. It was a fabulous experience. But there are some points when you realize how English you are. And my point came when, uh, I'm on this, this one, but even now my body language is getting tight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's a kind of, I'm still trying to remember it. I was in, we were in Israel, and we were visiting, we were near the Dead Sea. I've even forgotten the name of it now. Uh, Stephen, you'll probably help me. Someone else. We're going to, there's a monument in Israel near the Dead Sea, which has become a monument towards Israel, is, Israeli identity, and it's a basically a naturally formed rock. Thank you, Masada, thank you. Masada, and basically there's a cable car going up, and basically as we're down... Um, we could have walked up, but I took the cable car, and um, it was very hot, and uh, sorry, I will get to the story. It's, so we sat there, cable car, myself, the 12 Pentecostal black uh, people, and then we were surrounded by young Israeli men, and it's kind of like a pilgrimage for them of Israeli identity, where that they the, some of the Israelis resisted, the story goes that they resisted and there's various films made of the people who came to, con to conquer them. So it's a place of deep identity. It's a place of um, political sensitivity. It's a place of reverence for different people. And there's lots of amazing um, artifacts and, and buildings on the top of it. It's an extraordinary place, actually. And, at, at, and then we got to the top, we were doing some looking around, 
And then my, my group said, right, we're now going to glory dance around the top of this monument. I want you to get out your white hanky, and we are going to dance around the top of Masada. Now, for a good English pastor who's feeling defensive, <laughs> I started thinking, can I do that? I said, yeah, I can do that. I, I'll sing. So I started to go, and I was singing, and I was, I was trying not to get distracted. But I reached that point where my self-consciousness and my awkwardness to do with some of the things I was anxious about prevented me going any further. I said, do you know what? I just need to be quiet with the Lord. <laughs> I just need to be quiet. I need to spend some time in this. You know, it's a bit hot. I need to go somewhere in the shade. You go off, and they were dancing around the top of Masada with their white hankies, which, if you don't understand all that stuff, you need to be in the Pentecostal church for a bit longer. But, but and I was slightly embarrassed, maybe. We're all different. We're all different. We've come to the end of Nehemiah. The last bit of the reading we're going to look at uh, from Nehemiah 12. And before I do go on to think about that, I just want to think about a project in your life that you've undertaken. Something that's been really big for you. Maybe a work issue, a work project they've undertaken. It may be... Um, something you've had to organize, maybe a, mar a wedding that you organized for yourself. It may be your garden that's been like a lifetime project. Maybe something to do with your house and the how you're trying to get it together. Whatever the big project you've had in your life is, whatever comes to mind, I'd just like you to think about that, how much you invest in it, how much you thought about it, how much you prayed about it, how much of an uphill battle that has been in your life to achieve the vision that you either God had given you or you'd set for yourself. You had a picture, you had a vision of what you wanted to get to, where you wanted to be, what it was you wanted to see done. And that enabled you to overcome all the barriers, all the opposition, all the kind of criticism all the kind of people who are saying you're foolish, that you couldn't do it, that it's way beyond you. That actually the challenge in front of you was impossible even. But yet the challenges kept coming and coming and it became like a lifetime's work or this period work and you had to work all night to try and hit various deadlines. You were discouraged, you were fatigued. But, but you persevered. But you persevered, but you kept going. You kept going, you kept going until you saw the project finished. You saw it finished, you saw it complete. You got to the end of what it was that you'd been called to do or what you'd been charged to do. Nehemiah and the people had reached that point here. They had completed their monumental task. The war was finished. The wall was finally complete. The job was done. They'd gone from a place where the, the, it was complete ruin to a place where it had been rebuilt, extraordinarily rebuilt. But it wasn't all done. It wasn't all done. Because there was one last thing that needed doing. After the various bits we talked last week, and it's talked in the bit of the reading this morning that we're not going to look at particularly. 
having gone through the various purification ceremonies that we also touched on, that actually they were called to celebrate, to rejoice, to give thanks, to, to, to give praise and glory, to give their hearts over to God in thanksgiving and celebration. As we come to the end of Nehemiah, we have this beautiful picture. We have completed walls. Walls that are wide enough so that the choirs could march down both different ways. The wall was so wide that they could actually do that. The walls that were a demonstration of the sacrifice that they had made for so long to see the walls rebuilt. For those of you who followed the story through, you'll remember the last time we saw Nehemiah going along the walls was in Nehemiah 2, where as he inspected the walls at night, they were in ruins. They were in complete ruin. But now the wall was complete, and the wall was strong. And it became a testimony, and this was a testimony to God's faithfulness, God's glory, and also the hard work of a community to get there. Both God's work and human work in partnership together. It's a glorious picture of men, women, children singing and rejoicing and giving thanks to God as Ezra and Nehemiah led their different choirs in opposite directions, parading around the city on the walls. The joy was contagious. It could be heard for miles around because their hearts were so overwhelmed with goodness and the greatness of God and the wonder of what he'd been able to do in and through them. The people have been part of something extraordinary in their lifetime. There's something amazing going on. The wall was complete. The people, during this journey of building the wall, had grown in faith. And their faces had been radiating with joy. The doubters, the opponents, the resistors could hear what God had done, what God had completed. That God had done what he said he would do. I don't know whether in your life you've known the privilege, and I know many of you will be able to say yes to this and be able to say the yes to this now, but you may just want to take a moment to think about it. When actually you get the opportunity to be used by God to do something great in somebody's life. And by great, I don't mean to say that, that actually someone got up and walked who was dead or something like that. But actually, you've got a chance to bless somebody by serving in children's work. You've got a chance to care for somebody who was sick or ill and you knew God had called you to get alongside them. You encouraged somebody who was stumbling and falling in their Christian walk. And you got alongside them and lifted them up again and got them back on the road to faith and got them walking in the right direction. Partnering with God is an amazing privilege. It's a joy beyond compare. And we get that opportunity as Christians, not just to do good things with our hands like anybody else in the world, but we get the opportunity to partner with God in what we do in his world. And we get to do that not just as individuals, but also in the ministries that are involved in this church too. Serving with others and blessing others who come into our cafe, doing part of the events here like on Friday night or joining in praying with people. 
Serving, partnering, giving will help us grow. If you want to grow, actually we join in with what God's doing. Secondly, if you, many of you will know the story in uh, Luke 17, where Jesus told a story about ten lepers who were healed. But only one of the lepers of the ten lepers came back to give praise to God after Jesus healed them, after God healed them. And after this happened, after the nine ignored and only one came back, Jesus asked a very fair question. Where are the other nine? Where, where, are, where are the other nine? Where are they giving thanks? Where, where are they? Where are they giving thanks? The nine forgot to say thank you for all that God has done in their life. You know, and so often we can fall into that same pattern in our life, enjoying all that we have, all that God has given us as part of our world, enjoying his forgiveness, enjoying his goodness, but forgetting, just forgetting to give our worship-filled thanks. Why are we like the nine? Do you identify this morning with the one that you're full of gratitude and thanksgiving and worship? Or do you identify with the nine? So why would we be like the nine? Is it because we really trust in our own selves, ourselves, our own strength, our own gifts, that really we don't need God? Do we spend our time comparing ourselves to other people so much that we can't be grateful for what we have and what God is doing in our lives, that it's just not the same as somebody else's life, and we're robbed of joy and thanks? Do we become infected by a, a sense of entitlement that jealousy and greed grow in our lives? Or do we just not take time to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you. Just take time to say thank you to God. When was the last time you stopped and actually gave voice to say thank you to God? what he's done in your life. Simple thank you. The people of Israel understood that the completion of the wall, the end of their task and the victory were because of God's hand and the gifts God had given them. So they took time to sing, to celebrate, to rejoice and to give thanks. They were like the one who came back to offer their thanks and their worship to God expressing praise and gratitude towards God. I know this building, for many people who've been in this, this particular church many years, it becomes a physical symbol of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness to you. And that's an amazing thing to come back into this building, to remind it of God's faithfulness. But this week, when you go out of this building... How will you remember that the same God is faithful to you wherever you are, doing your work, whether it's with your family, whether it's your friends? How will you remember the same God to remember to be thankful this week? 
How will you remember when you're not here with other Christians? How will you remember to be thankful to God? What have you discovered in your personal walk with God that helps you to keep thankful? What is it you do that will help you keep thankful? Nehemiah had a heart of worship, but he took, a st- it took it a step further. He invited other people to come and join him, reminding them that it was the hand of God that, they, that meant that the rebuilding effort was successful. Think. I'd like you to just take a moment to think. When was the last time your heart was genuinely moved to sing to God? I'm not talking about whether James leads us or someone else leads us in corporate worship here. When was your heart genuinely moved in in gratitude and thanks for what God has done for you today? Can you think of that? When actually words came from your lips, just words came from your lips of gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done for you. I understand that worship is about all of our lives. But in the, con- in the condition of our lives and our hearts, the Bible also always talks about the condition of our hearts. That actually our hunger for God, an unbridled expression of praise, of thanksgiving and giving glory to God. He's the one who deserves our praise and our thanksgiving in our lives. So this week, what will help you Reconnect with the God who longs to release us in that kind of praise and joy and thanksgiving. Maybe you just need to take some time to literally be still with God and say thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making me right with you. Because your death on the cross and your resurrection. Thank you that your love is overwhelming for me. That even though I'm faithless, you are faithful to me. Maybe it's not being quiet. Maybe you need to read something. You need to read scripture. Maybe you need to read a book on theology that reconnects you with the God who has done and continues to do so much for you. Maybe you need to sing, listen to someone else singing. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you need to serve, go and find someone to serve in the church or serve with others. What will help you fix your eyes back on God? His majesty, his holiness, his wonder, his awe, his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. This morning, I stand before God, a sinner set free, a sinner liberated by the grace and mercy of God. I am forgiven. I am forgiven forgiven. If we stand as people who know we're the forgiven people of God, praise will come out of our mouths. Many of you know who know your Bible, I know this is an amazing building to remind of God's faithfulness, but (coughs) Joshua stacked up stones after crossing the River Jordan. Abraham built altars. What maybe you need to find something in your daily life outside Sundays that reminds you again of God's faithfulness to you when you're at home, when you're at work, wherever else it is. Do you need to be reminded of God's goodness? And actually the reality is, and it's still true for me as it's true for you, is that worship is costly. It involves sacrifice. 
Sometimes it won't go the way we want. It doesn't, isn't convenient. It isn't what we choose to do. But we see sacrifice in worship throughout the Old Testament and in the sacrificial system. So we offer our whole selves to God and put him first in our lives. So as we put him first, our hearts become enthroned and, and united with him in what we do. One of my prayers today is that God would put some of the words of songs on your heart, us personally, this morning, that actually you want to sing, that come out of you. That's my prayer for you, us this week. That God would put some words on I don't mind whether it's Handel or Bach, Graham Kendrick, Matt Redman. I don't really care who it is. I don't care whether they're your words or they're words from Scripture that just inspire you to say again and again, I want to sing to God in thankfulness for what he's done for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray not just for us as personally, but for us as a church, that you would, you would enable us to journey, to travel, so that we are caught up in love, wonder, and praise of the God whose love is so extraordinary for us. Would you capture our hearts afresh for those of us who've forgotten, for those of us who've got um, distracted or um, down, got taken down roads that aren't leading in a good place. Would you draw us back again? And we, would we give ourselves again to you this morning? That you are worthy of all our worship, our praise, our adoration. For you are good and your love endures forever. Thank you that your promises are true that you are trustworthy, that you are a ruling and reigning king in our lives, and we give you praise. Amen. Before we uh, sing together, I'd just like you to pick up your Bible, if you've got it in front of you, uh, before we do. I actually sing, I'd like us to say some words together. So if you'd like to find Psalm 100 um, in your Bibles, it's on page 600 and 604. I'd like us to stand, and uh, we're going to say these words together, then we're going to sing just in response. Holy Spirit, would you come afresh and would you release us to celebrate? Would we be a people of rejoicing and thanksgiving? Amen. Let's say Psalm 100 together. Shout for joy to the Lord all the
When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of Sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless world. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. Is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of.
more than enough for us, Lord. You're more than enough, more than enough for us, Lord. More than enough, more than enough for us, One of us this morning that you would 
fall afresh on our lives by your spirit, that you would reveal yourself afresh to us. Would you come, Holy Spirit, minister your grace to us. things that are causing us to be constantly distracted, the things that are getting in the way of uh, seeing you more clearly, we want to lay those down before you're fresh this morning. Anxieties that seem beyond us, mountains that are too high for us. We offer ourselves afresh before you, the living God. And Father, I pray particularly this morning for anybody who is here who doesn't know that they're loved by God. They've always not been able to shake off a sense of unworthiness. May sort of know bits of it in their heads, but don't actually know that deep within them. And Father, I pray, would you minister to them this morning? Would you be with your love afresh to them? Would you set them free from the fears and the anxieties that consume their lives? Experiences that make them feel unlovable. Would you lead us back to you afresh this morning, I pray. Would you empower us, not just for today, but as we go out into our weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Do take a seat. Um, I'm just going to briefly um, answer it. Uh, oh, Keith got the microphone as well. We, we didn't get the chance, partly through time, partly through our way I did it, um, to answer some of the questions that people had for the APCM. We gave them out last week as part of the service, just to remind you what everybody else asked, as you had a chance to see that and consider that. Um, so I'm just going to quickly go through them and give an answer. I may ask one or two people just to say something. Uh, for those. So the questions are, are we in conversation with Mentoring Plus or Riverside to support where our gateway ministry? Uh, and the answer is, uh, we're not sp specifically in conversation with them, but we are in conversation with ways in which we can build